everyone. This is the Siemens Additive Manufacturing Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're not new here, welcome back. We're thrilled to have you either way. I'm your host, Ashley Eckhoff, and currently we're working our way through conversations focused on specific industries that are adopting additive manufacturing. Episodes one through three this season were about additive in the aerospace industry. And uh, last episode, we moved on to talking about additive manufacturing in the energy industry. I've had a lot of fun talking with the two gentlemen who are with me today in the studio are my colleagues from Siemens, John Lusty and John Nixon. Thanks for joining us again today, guys, to, uh, to continue our conversation. But just to remind everyone where we were at, last episode we discussed some of the challenges the energy industry has and how it is evolving to meet those challenges, including some ways that additive manufacturing might, might aid in that evolution. I think I'd like to start today by continuing that discussion. Maybe we can talk a little about some of the impediments to adoption of additive in the energy industry. When, uh, when the two of you go to an energy company to talk about how software can help them, and when you ask about additive and they say, you know, we haven't started printing anything yet, what are the reasons why? What's, what's keeping them from adopting additive? Uh, what are the barriers you see to wholesale adoption of additive in the energy industry? Uh, Mr. Lusty, let's, uh, let's start with you. It could be a number of things, right? So it's currently in the industry, there can be a complex choreograph of steps that have to go through to, to, to take an idea from a knowledge worker's head and actually produce a printed part at the end of the day. In many parts, many parts of the, the capital project system or operating a plant or designing a system, the finished product is the product of multiple systems that were designed by like software solutions that were designed by separate vendors they were never intended to work together and they've got to bridge gaps along that value chain and then ultimately get that design to the printer and produce something at the end of the, at the end of the day it's a challenge for the industry and you know regardless of what you're trying to do you know these this these silos of information that impede the smooth flow of value from you know from left to right in the value chain if you will gets in the way i would suspect the the complexity that people are dealing with to try to get past that is a major impediment. But every day we hear about new companies that have had projects in the skunk works. I suspect we would find that there's more going on than we realize. And these, these, the, the finished products are now starting to emerge. As a, a digital industry software, as a software company, what we've focused on is how do we make it as efficient as possible for engineering teams to be able to take a concept validate that concept, improve that concept, predict its performance, validate the performance, and actually produce a finished part in as streamlined a process as possible. So sometimes when we think of additive manufacturing, it's the finished part that we have in mind. It's the logistics of how that design became the finished part. That's a challenge too. That's the part that we enjoy. And our uh, the developers that we have at Siemens Digital Industry Software, that's what they focus on is how do we streamline these processes? Because if we can eliminate the data the barriers to that smooth information flow. We can also improve process times. We can eliminate errors. So we just get better results faster. That's really where we're trying to go. And I think the more the industry learns about some of these less obvious challenges to what they're doing, I think the adoption is going to, is going to increase. But again, the simplicity of additive manufacturing, kind of like the sticky note from 3M, once you understand the uh, the capabilities, what's now within the, the realm of the possible, because we're way beyond starchy products now, right? You've got uh, complex metallurgy involved. You know, once people realize, hey, these, this is what's within the realm of the possible, 
we're just going to see this become more and more widespread and solve really tough problems, especially when you combine it with other, you know, other important tools like engineering simulation tools and tools that improve the design, allowing us to produce designs that just weren't manufacturable before. So I know in uh, in other industries like aerospace, when I talk to people in those industries, there are also hurdles like uh, like regulatory hurdles and even some some materials hurdles. Do you guys hear about those at all, uh, Mr. Nixon? Well, I was I was going to mention that there's the challenge of traceability, right? Counterfeit parts or the materials that I'm using to actually print said part or whatever the the additive technology is, the 3D printing technology is. The question comes down to, again, Mr. Lusty's talking about education, educating the market on the efficacy of additive manufacturing. And then the next question I get is, you know, traceability. Where's the data sheet that comes with this, right? I would also say that what I'm seeing emerge, which is an interesting topic, is I've been approached by several customers about blockchain. And is there a way to incorporate that in the supply chain so that if I have, let's say I, I put out for bid parts and or equipment I'm going to need, and there's a significant portion of that that's added to manufacturing. And so I want to give an opportunity for many proposals on both quality, cost, and, and other items. And as I said before, their ESG footprint. Now, how do I trace that? How do I account for this machine with this material is what was printed and this is what's shown up at my doorstep and what I've inspected? So there's been a lot of questions around traceability. But I think as we drive a life cycle mindset, which has not existed in energy until about, I would say, five to eight years ago, you really started to see the energy industry talk about life cycle management. And they were looking at life cycle management around capital assets and so you've had to, it's, it's kind of like a chicken and the egg. I've got to have that in place first before I can really start talking about added manufacturing. And then as I start talking about added manufacturing, they're asking me more detailed questions about life cycle. So you're starting to see life cycle mindset and an additive capability converging and a maturation now occurring in the energy industry as we speak. This will probably date me, but back when I was in engineering school, I took some classes on thermodynamics, right? And, and we talked a lot about power generation. And the way that normally happens is you, you take heat energy and you turn that into motion to generate electricity, right? I assume these days it's just as important to draw that heat energy from other systems like charging batteries, for example, that we've seen both in, in automobile applications and in home applications, you know, does additive play into these thermodynamic cycle type applications that you see a lot in the energy field? For example, are you guys seeing like 3D printed heat exchangers or anything like that at this point, or is that still too far off? Personally, I haven't seen examples of 3D printed heat exchangers. There may be, because to improve heat exchanger design, as with all new components, the real heavy lifting is done on the on the digital twin of that of that physical asset that's produced at the end of the process to ensure that it performs at the highest level of functionality for the lowest cost, the least impact on the rest of the assembly. I think in that case, the real work is going to be done by the simulation tools that improve the design, improve the metallurgy, improve the performance of the design such that when it's when it's produced, it behaves as predicted and can perform at a, at, a, at a level that we just hadn't seen before. So again, it's, it's partially about the additive manufacturing, but partially about the, the perfection of the digital twin upstream of the actual product being produced. Let's talk about simulation real fast, because I think in a lot of other industries, we've seen kind of this simulation-driven revolution, right? Have we seen the same things in the power industry? Or are the same things going on there? Yes, we're, we're starting to see a greater and greater drive 
towards deep engineering, meaning simulation mm-hmm. in the energy space, and most specifically, design space exploration. In fact, we're about to have a white paper from a major chemical company that has been saving itself millions and millions of dollars in rethinking their processes with design space exploration at its heart, being able to look at, let's say, statistically, a basket of optimal solutions versus one or two optimal solutions. And to your earlier comment about thermodynamics and thermal exchange and things like that, you're seeing a move, especially in the downstream and chemicals and petrochemicals market. In the last five to seven years, there's been a lot of conversation around process intensification. So how do I produce more with less energy or less material? And what does that look like? And that lends itself to what we just now discussed, which is this design space exploration with both existing facilities and with, say, new designs. And what you're also finding, and this isn't necessarily thermodynamic related, but it can lend itself to this, is what's called modularization. So picture, if you will, in your mind that a normal, let's say, refinery is going to change out components on boilers and spools of pipe, both, you know, for supply and and removal of steam and things like that. Typically, you've got to do teardowns. You've got to then go in and you've got to do a lot of stick construction in place with existing facilities. Imagine if you were able to bring in a flatbed truck, take out an old module, drop it in, roll it out, roll in, bring your new steam supply, optimal steam supply system, drop it in place, roll that flatbed out. And now you've got done in a week or two what normally took you two, three, four months to do on like a turnaround. And now you're saving millions of dollars a day that you otherwise don't recognize as revenue while that facility is down. So what you're seeing is process intensification and the drive for modularization, i.e. can I build it offsite, optimize it in the factory, and then just bring it out and plug and play it at existing facilities. That's going to end up driving towards additive manufacturing because, again, we're probably looking at miniaturizing or certainly modularizing, if that's a word. I might have made that up. I don't know. But it's going to require really, gosh, I hate to say old puns, but it's like thinking outside the box, right? You really are going to have to rethink your design process for these assets. Yeah, it seems like some of these use cases we normally see for additive might apply there. Things like combining assemblies into a single part and things like that. Yeah, very interesting. Anything to lower the footprint, lower the waste, lower the carbon footprint, take up less real estate. You know, everything we can do to, again, use the term modularize, but, you know, really drive a much smaller footprint to produce the same material in support of our species. Cool. Very cool. Have you thought about automation at all? I mean, is that something that people are talking about in this space as well? It seems like that's something we hear a lot in combination with these newer manufacturing technologies. And I think it's another it's another road to efficiency improvements, right, is automating certain steps. And, and we're seeing that lots of companies in the wider AM world are trying to, you know, automate these processes they go through to get their additive parts out. In the energy space, where we think we're seeing a lot of focus is the is in the connected plant operations, right? So if you think about the owner operator who's on the receiving end of perhaps parts that are produced with additive manufacturing systems, complex assets, critical assets, all of which are getting smarter and more connected and be able to produce produce data, make data available about their performance. From an automation standpoint, there's a lot of effort in, in terms of customers seeking to 
collect and aggregate the data that is available to them regarding the performance of their plant, the day-to-day performance of the plant. How do we centralize it? How do we secure it? And how do we use that new information, those, those new, how do we produce new insights from that information that allow us to make better decisions on operating the plant? There's an awful lot of work happening from, from that space. So John talked about um, modularizing systems, simplifying systems, simplifying the supply chain with those systems as those assets become smarter and higher performance. The improved data availability when we combine that with automation systems that are out there, Siemens makes some, there's, there's lots out there. Ultimately, we're all trying to drive towards more consistent supply of energy at lower cost with lower emissions. So it's a part of the complex life cycle of processes that ultimately produce energy. You know, the customers at the end of the day, what do they really want? They want a consistent supply of high quality energy, however that's going to be supplied. That's what the industry is trying to do. So additive manufacturing, automation, simulation-driven design, design space exploration, they're all technologies that are going to do improve the, the, our ability to deliver that consistent energy at a lower cost in a more sustainable way. You know, and we're going to get a little bit better every, you know, every month that we're all in the business. That's great. A good place to kind of wrap up and start closing things down here. If I pull the lens back just a little bit and take a, a little bit wider focus, I'm sure you guys are probably familiar with the Gardner hype cycle curve. Where would you say that additive manufacturing is for the energy industry on that curve? Have we have we gotten past the heightened expectations and disillusionment? Are we ready to turn this into a, a viable technology now? What's your feeling? Where do you guys see things at? At this point on the on this hype cycle, I, I think we've moved past disillusionment. I think when you look at the 2008 financial crisis, you look at the 2014, early 2015 plummet of the price of oil, when you've seen the printing that they've done of capital and that subsequent investment that's going to go in to, let's say, green energy and renewables, you see all of this influence on the energy industry. At this point, we're beyond disillusionment, and there's really now a move afoot to move more aggressively with digitalization and get real value out of it. So I think you're going to find, as I said before, an acceleration of adoption, both in breadth and depth. And so we're starting to see deep investments in simulation. We're seeing deep, far deeper and broader investments in lifecycle management, especially from design all the way through operations. There are specifications like the capital facilities handover specification that was released by a super major oil company, but now is going to be used by all of energy broadly on what is the digital structure that I need handed over to me from the engineering companies to the owner operator when they've built this offshore facility or this onshore plant or whatever, this large deployment of capital for some asset, a power plant or what have you. You know, before it was pallets of Iron Mountain boxes filled with paper and and sticks with PDF documents on it. That's not a digital handover. So there's a real move afoot to completely reshape how we manage data. And so I would say that if you'd asked me in, let's say, 2011, if you'd asked me in 2005, we were deep in disillusionment. <laughs> there was there was a real discussion around digital, but it was like, oh, it's way down the road. Well, guess what? We're now way down the road. And so we're we're seeing much more rapid adoption and a much deeper, serious discussion with customers about what is it going to take to digitalize? Because my workforce isn't as large as it was, but I've got to produce. And that production's 
got to be carbon and environmentally responsible as well and safe, safe. And we've got to account for risk. They see digital as the answer to those challenges. John said it well, right? So as you're closing down, I think the capabilities with additive manufacturing continue to get better and better every year. And there's just going to be, it's limited only to the limit of your of imagination, right? So how it's being applied is is only going to grow. And that's going to be exciting to watch for all of our, our OEM clients, our EPC clients, and the owner-operator clients. You know, it's exciting also for us to see how our own organization, we talked earlier about Siemens Energy, you know, what are they doing in terms of being able to offer critical assets to their clients that perform at the levels that are that are needed or to be able to provide services that help them better operate their facilities. That's going to be interesting to watch. We all work for Siemens Digital Industry Software. So continuing to improve that end-to-end digital process chain, right from concept through initial engineering, through simulation-driven design to improve the digital twin, and then ultimately send it to be produced as a, as a finished part, taking into advantage all of, all of what we're doing around simulation, design space exploration, so that we're going to be able to produce components that could be imagined not long ago, but they couldn't be fabricated because they were outside of what could be machined. That's going to be a super interesting development in the industry is that once you combine the power of much more efficient design and, and data management with simulation coupled with hypercomputing up on the cloud, for example, bringing that data to bear to improve the designs and then ultimately send it to, to be produced and fabricated. And then once that part is incorporated into that critical asset or that system is incorporated into part of that plant, what can that do to increase reliability and, and to reduce cost and to reduce emissions? help take the CO2 out of whatever is being produced, or, you know, maybe we find a way to not create it in the first place. You know, when we bring it back to where we started around energy transition, additive manufacturing and all of the digital technologies that enable that to happen, you know, at the most productive rate to produce the best possible outcome, I think it's going to play a huge role in how we're going to tackle some of the daunting challenges such as ESG and energy transition, and at the same time, help our clients navigate these crazy volatile markets, because I don't imagine that's going away anytime soon. Ashley, I would say in terms of the Gartner hype cycle for the energy industry, when you look at digital, I would say the technology trigger was in the 90s. I would say we probably reached the peak of inflated expectations in the early 2000s. And then we had this you know, huge drop off, right? That, that trough of disillusionment that they talk about at Gartner, I would say was probably during the 2010s. And now that we're in the 2020s, I'm really starting to see that that kind of enlightenment. So I would say each decade has really followed that curve. And so additive manufacturing is going to catch that wave of, of enlightenment that we're starting to see for digital. Well, that sounds awesome. I look forward to that since, uh, since that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, thank you guys. Really appreciate you being with us today to share your expertise and your insights about additive in the energy industry. Uh, really appreciate you taking time away from, of course, your real jobs to talk to us. It's been great. Hey, this is my real job. I, lo- I love chatting about this. This is good stuff. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, it's exciting stuff. And thank to, thanks, uh, Ashley, to all your uh, faithful listeners that have been following along your podcast series. It's an exciting area. And, you know, thanks for having John and I on your show to talk a little bit about what we see happening in the energy and utilities industry. Well, it's been my pleasure. 
So I guess that's it for uh, Season 2, Episode 5 of the Siemens AM Podcast. I'd like to once again thank the Siemens Thought Leadership Team for sponsoring our podcast. And I'd like to thank my colleagues John Nixon and John Lusty for joining us for the last two episodes. And of course, I'd really like to thank all of you out there for listening in. If you have any questions about the things you've heard here today, please feel free to look me up on LinkedIn or on our Siemens AM blog. And if you're in the energy industry and you're looking to utilize additive manufacturing, give us a ring. We'd love to hear about it. Until next time, you've been listening to the Siemens Additive Manufacturing Podcast, and I'm Ashley Eckhoff. Take care, everyone. Thank you.